Well, let me start by asking a question. Does anyone have any leadership failures? Have you failed at making a good decision in anything that you were responsible for? I remember one time I had this great idea to drive home to North Dakota overnight. McKenna, our oldest, was maybe one year, one year old. And we figured, I figured, she would sleep through the night, we would get there early, and then we'd be tired, but grandpa and grandma would help out, and then it just, everything would just go great. I knew we'd be tired, but we had grandpa and grandma to help out, and we'd get there a day earlier. Well, we got to Wisconsin Dells, and we just could not handle the screaming anymore. And our daughter was crying. No. We did this to save money and not have to stop halfway. Well, getting a hotel in Wisconsin Dells is not cheap. And at 1.30 a.m., a super expensive hotel that we did not sleep much in was a hard pill to swallow, and we were back on the road never to try to drive through the night again. You know, I'm the leader. I take responsibility for that. I had the responsibility and the ability to make a good decision, and I did not make a good one, and we all... We all paid the price. My whole family had to suffer because of the choice that I made. You know, as Pastor Virus mentioned last week, uh, one of the benefits and challenges of being made in the image of God and being remade in the image of Christ is, is both the ability and the responsibility to think different kinds of biblical thoughts simultaneously. I think today as we talk about the husband's role, it's definitely true. As husbands are called to lead well and to serve well. We have the responsibility to make the final decision, but we also have to submit to the authority that is above us. I find the principle incredibly helpful that my role is to bear God's image, even in a sin-cursed world marked with suffering. And I can only do that If indeed I have been remade in the image of Christ. As a new creation in Christ, I have the responsibility and the ability to point others to God, to to bear his images, his image, even in trial. And I have that responsibility to bear his image in all kinds of roles. Each of us have all kinds of roles. As a man, I have the responsibility to bear God's image as a man. As a husband, I have the responsibility to bear God's image as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a neighbor, as a friend, as a brother, as a son. Everything I do in those various roles and responsibilities, I have the ability, because I am a new creation, to point others to my Creator, to point others to my Savior. Now, various roles have various difficulties. I find being a husband very rewarding, but there are blessings and there are challenges. Because of my nature as a sinner, because of the reality of living in a sin-cursed world, because of leading other sinners, and because of the nature of the position is for the glory of God and not the glory of man. With that in mind, will you please open your Bibles to 1 Peter 3, verse 7. If you need a Bible, there's one under the chair in front of you, and you can turn to page 181 in the back section. Our theme this year is hope for everyday life. I hope that you have hope today. 
We've been studying First and Second Peter, that's our plan this year, and we're trying to think about hope in everyday suffering, how living in a broken, sin-cursed world in relationships that are often marked with sin leads to suffering and, and difficulty in fulfilling our roles, responsibilities, etc. We know that Peter was writing to people who have been scattered, persecuted by the emperor Nero. They're suffering, and yet they're called to fulfill their responsibilities, their roles as image bearers, as those who are followers of Christ, as, as husbands and wives. Last week, Pastor Virus addressed hope for wives in suffering, and today I have the privilege of speaking on hope for husbands in suffering. You know, it was a bit funny. Uh, last week, Pastor Virus encouraged uh, the men that today was coming and said that they should not skip and, and go fishing. I can't tell you how many men came up to us and said, now, I have this responsibility, next week I'm going to, I'm not fishing, but I'm going to watch it online. So I just want to give a shout out to all those who are watching online, whether it's from the boat or the dock or wherever it might be, we're thankful you're taking it in. But I digress. Let's read 1 Peter 3.7. 1 Peter 3, 7, you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. You know, we have one passage, but we have so much to unpack, and the Bible talks about the husband's role in so many different areas. So with our time this morning, let's look at three ways husbands fulfill their role even through difficulty. You know, leadership is something that is often abused. People can lead in a selfish and a sinful way, and even if they are not Oftentimes, good leadership is simply not followed or not appreciated, and Christian men need to embrace the challenge because of the biblical mandate of Christ. So even in a sin-cursed world where leadership is difficult and maybe not appreciated, followers of Christ, especially husbands, must embrace the responsibility to lead. That does not mean that we are to do this begrudgingly or with sinful anger, or bitterness, or resentment, or exasperation of, fine, I'll lead, if that's what God says to do. Instead, we are to follow Christ's example. Just as Pastor Virus pointed out, the direction for husbands and wives goes back to the example of Christ. Earlier in the previous chapter, 1 Peter 2.21 says, For you have been called for this purpose. You've been saved. You've been rescued for this purpose. And it reminds us of who Christ is and what he did. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Whatever role and whatever responsibility you have, if you are a follower of Christ, you are to follow his example as a wife, as a husband, the two next roles in the text, we are called to follow his example as we live out our roles. 
Husbands, we are to follow Christ's example. That means we are not to revile when things are difficult and people revile us. It means we're not trying to control everything. Instead, as Christ entrusted himself to the Father, we are to entrust ourselves to the one who judges righteously and not try to control things with sinful anger. We're to follow the example of Christ. Not just the example of Christ, but also the sacrifice of Christ. We are to live out our living hope so that our lives are transformed. And they're transformed so that we don't live for ourselves. He bore our sins in the body with purpose so that we would die to sin, die to living selfishly, and live to righteousness. Live in a way commensurate with what is right in God's eyes. So we're not to live for ease, comfort, the praise of man, security and comfort above all else, but righteousness. What is right in God's eyes? And that is difficult. Often when you lead and you try to do what is right, oftentimes you get criticized or put under the microscope. We will not lead well if we are not putting off sin and putting on righteousness. Humble leaders deflect praise to others, yet they take responsibility for their failures. They don't blame shift to others. That is what righteousness looks like. We want to return good for evil. We want to point others to Christ as we follow the shepherd and guardian of our souls. Jesus is easy to follow. His, his yoke is light. He died for us. He gave up his life for us. And so as leaders, men, are we easy to follow? Are we easy to follow? Because we sacrifice like Christ and we embrace and lean into suffering rather than avoid it at all costs. Ephesians 5.23 talks about the responsibility of the husband to lead and, and points us again to Christ. Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the Savior of the body, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We are to follow Christ's example, and that means we're motivated by Christ's sacrifice to sacrifice what we want and serve our wives just like Christ served and loved the church. So it's good for men to ask themselves, when's the last time I sacrificed? When's the last time I gave up something I really wanted to serve my wife? And did I do it with joy because I got to point her and others to Christ and his love for the church? Was there joy? Is that the standard or the exception of how we lead? The reality is our wives should get so overwhelmed 
by our sacrificial love. That they would say, will you just stop? Will you just stop serving me for one minute? Will you just stop and let me serve you for just a minute? Will you just, you're hogging all the Christ-likeness opportunities. Wives should just be like, just take a break of being like Jesus for a second. Just kidding, okay, don't stop being like Jesus, but they should be so overwhelmed because men who follow Christ lead and they just pour themselves out. They give of themselves. They die to self. We are called to give up our lives. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Give up your life, no half measures. You're not going to lead well if you don't want to die, if you don't want your desires to die so you can serve others. As men seek to cultivate a love of giving and not trying to get something in return, Christ is exalted. His sacrifice is on display. And when men are willing to suffer the loss of what they want, Jesus gets all the attention and the focus. And when men do it with joy, what can explain that other than the joy of Christ? Suffering forces us to deny self. But men who have the habit of constantly denying themselves and having joy in doing it, They're able to handle suffering well for the glory of God because they're practiced. They do it regularly. To do that, though, men must function under authority. We all must submit, not just wives, but husbands also. 1 Peter 2.13, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as to one in authority. If you're going to lead, you have to be able to submit. Men are to be leaders, but not absolute despotic leaders. Men are stewards of the leadership that God has entrusted to them, and they will give an account for the authority that is above them. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of Christ. The Bible teaches that men and women are equal in value. We bear God's image equally, but men have a unique responsibility to lead and function under the leadership structure that God has created and defined. So so God is at the top, not the husband. That enables us to be servant leaders. Men, I'd like you to, everybody can do this. I'd like you to draw on your paper an illustration. I want to see your, your craftsmanship and your, your art skills. So just get ready. Get a pen and paper out and get ready to draw on something. Not your wife's Bible. You know, just not, not your hand. I want you to draw a triangle. Try to make it the most beautiful triangle you've ever drawn in your life. So draw a triangle with the point going up to the top. So it's going to look something like that. Then I want you to draw another triangle right next to it. And I want you to invert that triangle so the point is going down. It kind of looks like a volume up and a volume down button. So draw those two things on your paper or on something. I'm going to talk about your, your amazing artistry after I read this passage. 
So consider this passage. Matthew 20, 25 through 28. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It's not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So in your triangle, the triangle that points upward, put a little stick figure at the very, very top. And then put a bunch of dots underneath it, okay? People in our culture and in the culture of Jesus' day saw the leader at the top of the triangle. And then everybody underneath them, all little dots, assistants, employees, spouse, kids, everybody that was supposed to serve and support their greatness. Now look at the other triangle. At the very bottom, draw the stick figure at the very bottom. And then a bunch of dots above it. God says it is okay if you want to be great. If you want to be great, that is fine. It's good. But you have to be great in God's kingdom. And in God's kingdom, greatness is inverted. So that anybody who has authority or power or position is to be a servant of everybody who is above them. Christ has all power and all authority and all majesty, and he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Men need to consider which triangle they want to represent. How do they want to lead? Be great, but be a great servant. This is what a servant leader looks like. You use your position, your authority, your gifts and ability, your resources to serve everybody that you view above you. They are above you if you are a leader. That's the example of Christ. So if we make the final decision on things, we listen and prayerfully consider options, seek wise counsel, but that decision needs to be governed by what will honor God the most and serve others the most, not serve myself. If you view yourself at the bottom, you will find joy in being great in God's kingdom. Then you will seek to know how your leadership impacts everybody who's above you. In other words, you will seek to grow as a man of understanding. In our text, we see you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman. This is hard work to live with your wife in an understanding way. It doesn't mean simply be patient or compassionate, which is something godly men should be, but the phrase specifically focuses on knowing something. It literally means live with your wives according to knowledge. 
As a godly man, there is information you need to gather regularly to have understanding, to have knowledge. That means you need to listen, you need to remember, to learn, to devote brain power away from something you want to do to focus on learning about your wife. It's a maintain ongoing educational training. Because when you lead someone, their desires, their needs, the the challenges they face change. And you have to constantly be updating your information to learn and to live according to to knowledge. And that requires work, self-denial, and even at times suffering and giving up, giving up what you want. The reason we do this is so we can understand the challenge of the wife's role. Servant leaders care about the people that are above them. They don't view the people below them as, you're here for me to have my desires. Philippians 2.3 says, do nothing, nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Now, part of the reason this is important in the text is we're to live in an understanding way because our wives are weaker. This does not mean intellectually weaker. It does not mean spiritually weaker. It does not mean emotionally weaker. Some have indicated in the commentaries that that in general, women are physically weaker than men, and that is true on average. And in the text, it does use the word vessel, But that's not true in every scenario. There are some women who are physically stronger than men. However, when there is leadership, and especially in the culture that that Peter would be in, women are in a weak position. Men need to understand how difficult it is to submit to an imperfect leader. And, And many people know that, right? A decision that a boss makes can make their employees' lives more difficult. Or the decisions they make can bring efficiency and clear communication and an enjoyable work environment. Husbands can make decisions that make life difficult for their wives who are in a weak position, or they can make decisions that are a blessing for their wives. For example, let's say a husband wants to stay up late with the kids and eat a whole bunch of sweets more than normal, and watch a movie, and totally disregard bedtime. It sounds fun, right? And then what if you have to go on a trip the next day? Or what if you have other responsibilities, and the kids are exhausted, tired, and still hopped up on sugar? And you're like, well, it doesn't affect me. My wife's going to clean up the mess. Or let's say a husband wants to get a new truck, or a new set of tools, or put an underground bowling alley under their house. And he chooses to do that, overextend them financially, and now the wife has to put off constant concern and worry and fear because of their finances, because the husband has made a foolish financial decision, and she's in a weak position now where she has to fight the fear of what's going to happen next. The bottom line is, A man of understanding wants to understand how their decisions can make their wives better or worse. Part of growing is embracing the challenge. Even if it's difficult, we want to understand the challenge 
of the husband's role. Leading in this culture is hard. Men often are called to work hard, deal with a lot of physical and mental difficult problems at work, and if you take charge, oftentimes there's criticism. In our culture, male leadership is not, is not looked, looked on fondly, and it's often abused. But we are not going to let the culture derail us from fulfilling our biblical mandate. Even if it's hard, even if it's thankless, we get to follow Christ. We get to point others to Christ. And it's good for us to not focus on ourselves, but to focus on Christ and to focus on loving and serving others. Focusing on others is difficult, but being a man of understanding means you want to understand others, and especially your wife. But this is for everybody. Everybody needs to grow to seek to be a person of understanding. Proverbs 20 verse 5 says, A plan in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out. Now think about a person's plans. What they want out of life. What do people plan? No one plans bad things for themselves. We plan things that we want to satisfy us, to make us feel safe, things we want to do. The Bible says these plans are deep in our hearts. Why do people hold their plans close to the vest? Why do people not share with everybody else what they really want out of life? Maybe they're embarrassed that someone will mock their plans of what they really, really want. Maybe they're concerned that if I share my plans, I'm going to have to give them up. And I've wanted them for so long, if I tell you, I might have to give it up. Maybe you're going to challenge me if those plans are wise or, or biblical or glorifying to God. Or maybe if I tell you what I really want out of life, I'm going to be really, really vulnerable if I know what your plans are, what could I do to you? If I know that you really, really want something, and I know what you want, and I don't use it in a way that's pleasing to God, I can really hurt someone else. The reality is we want to be men of understanding, people of understanding. We want to draw out people's hearts but do it in a humble way so they trust we're not going to leverage it against them and use it to manipulate them or to control them, but to serve them and to love them. The plans in people's hearts are deep. It's more like a, an ancient well where you've got to put a bucket down and bring that bucket up. You've got to learn and, and exert energy. Having a heart of understanding means you ask others, how are you doing? In the text, as husbands want to live with their wives according to knowledge, the question is, when a man starts his day or ends his day or throughout his day, is he thinking about how she is doing? Is he thinking about how his choices might impact her? So it means when you come home, you ask your wife, how is your day? You don't say to yourself, just say fine, just say fine, just say fine. You say, I'm ready to learn. 
I'm ready to grow to be a man of understanding. I want to ask really good questions so I can draw my wife out. And I want to encourage her of how much God loves her. God's plan to make her more like Christ. And what a joy it is that I get to be her husband. Some practical aspects of how you might do that. And this goes both ways. This goes both ways. But, but men, are we leading? And do we ask questions like, how's God worked in your life today? What's been the hardest part of your day? I want to be a man of understanding. Before I tell you how tough my day was, what was your day like? Is there any way that I can be praying for you? Is there any way that I can lighten the load? Is there any way that I can serve you in light of you've got this thing coming up or, or you've got this on your mind? Is there anything I can do to lighten your load? Another good opportunity is, men, let ourselves be drawn out. If people want to have conversations with us and learn about us, let ourselves be drawn out easily. Maybe share what you're learning about in the Bible or how God is working in your life. Or how you're putting off your idolatry. How you see sin in your life and you're fighting it. So it's easier to draw someone else out because you're easy to draw out. And you're sharing things that are focused on the Lord and not just on your desires. It's always a challenge to put people ahead of ourselves. Husbands are imperfect leaders and so wives are imperfect followers. And yet we're still called to show honor to our wife. 1 Peter 3.7 says, Show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Why should husbands show their wives honor? Why? Is it because they perfectly respect their husband? Is it because they're always kind and affectionate and, and, and initiate intimacy? Is it because they're always supportive or always say things that build up their husband? Now, all of those are wonderful and delightful things, but that is not why a husband should show his wife honor. The text says he should show her honor primarily because she is an heir of grace because of her special position. She has received grace just like he has. She is an image bearer, recreated in Christ just like he is. You see, we are not just citizens of a, of a new kingdom, but we are heirs of that kingdom. And God is our portion, our inheritance, and men and women are going to rule with him. Romans says it like this, Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Your wife is a co-heir of the grace of of God. You need to show her honor. Husbands need to show their wives honor because God's grace has been shown to her, not because she has done something that he likes. 
And men, we are also co-heirs of God. And your wife needs to show you honor because you also are a recipient of God's grace. So both people are supposed to think about grace and give each other grace and serve each other. Even if it means giving up and denying yourself. I really want to end on an encouraging note. But before we get there, there's a very, very sobering note. This is one of the most sobering passages that I've read when I think about the husband's role in the Bible. We need to show our wives honor, listen to them, live with them in an understanding way, recognize the weak position they're in due to the imperfect fulfillment of our roles. You need to be men of understanding so that your prayers will not be hindered. God says, this is so important, that if men do not listen to their wives, if they do not live with their wives in an understanding way, if they don't consider the weak position they're in because of their leadership, if you do not listen to your wife, God says, he will not listen to you. It is so sobering and important that your prayers will hit the ceiling. Your prayers will be hindered. Your prayers will not reach him. He will not honor your requests because you will not honor. You will not honor your wife. One of the things we can do to apply this is set aside time to talk with your wife, maybe even today. Ask questions like, am I easy to approach? Do you feel like you can voice your concerns when you're in a weak position? Do I show you honor? You could ask, am I leading in a way to address the kids' behavior biblically so it does not all fall on you? You could ask, do you see evidence of me leading spiritually? And then the hard part is to listen humbly and to be a man of understanding. Now, wives, if your husband does this, this is not a time to unload on everything they've ever done wrong. And it may be an opportunity for you to ask, is there anything I can do to support your leadership in the home? Is there any way that I can show you honor as a fellow co-heir of grace, like you're seeking to show me honor? The reality is, when husbands and wives function like this, not only does God hear their prayers, but God blesses their efforts as they seek to follow the example of Christ and entrust themselves to the one who judges righteously. When both husbands and wife seek to die to sin, to deny themselves, and to put on righteousness, the home is filled with grace with two people who want to serve each other. And they're fighting to serve each other. No, 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 I got to go. I want to serve you. No, 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 I want to serve you. And when husbands lead the way, it can be a delightful environment. There should be an overflowing with grace because men see their wives as co-heirs of grace. They've received grace. I want to I reinforce the grace that God has shown my wife 
by being gracious and kind and understanding and loving towards her and trusting as God's working in her, her heart as she is seeking to do the same. That grace can motivate both a husband and a wife to follow the shepherd and guardian of their soul. And next week, the next part of the text talks about how ultimately the blessing, the blessing that comes from following the example of Christ. Let's pray to that end. Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, I know in this culture, this topic is not well received. Lord, I know that it's so easy for men to just want to shirk the responsibility to lead because in our culture, it does not seem like it's worth the effort. But Lord, help us to not be afraid to be biblical. Help us not fear our culture. Help us not fear mankind. Help us to fear you. Help us to trust the way that you have organized the home. Help us trust the way that you have laid out the roles. But Lord, help us see that the responsibility to lead is not to abuse one's authority, to not get others through sinful anger or manipulation to serve us, but to lead in a Christ-like way where we are marked as servant leaders. Lord, help the, the men of this church be easy to follow. Lord, help the women of this church be willing to follow biblical leadership for your glory. And help us, Lord, paint a picture in our marriages and our families of, of men and women and children who trust Jesus and want to point others towards the love that Christ has for the church. Lord, I pray you'll help us to embrace the biblical responsibility to be men of understanding. Lord, help us to, to draw out others, uh, our wives, but also others, our, our friends, our family, our children, so that we might learn what their plans are deep in their heart, and we might love them, encourage them to see God's plans for them to become more like Christ. Lord, I do pray that you would help us to be men of understanding that show our wives honor as co-heirs of the grace of life. And Lord, I pray that, that you would allow our prayers to reach your ears. You would honor our request to have the marriages in this church be strong for your glory. Lord, for those who are single, for those who are unmarried, Lord, I pray that they will rejoice in your word nonetheless and be an encouragement to others to follow Christ in their opportunities. And I pray, Lord, as we train the next generation, Lord, help us to train young men who are servant leaders that are easy to follow, who want to give and sacrifice for the glory of God. Lord, help us apply and do that even today. We pray all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.